Coming up, do you remember when you used to have a lot of free time? You know, before you had this family which has gobbled up every minute of your day. So free time or family, you can't apparently have both, is that right? But you have grown pretty attached to your family, so I guess we're going to have to keep them. So what time habits can free you up and get your sanity back? We'll be talking about that next up on the Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Just a day after accusing Russia of providing weapons to the Assad regime in Syria, Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton is calling out the Russians again. Clinton is questioning Russia's aims for Syria. Russia says it wants peace and stability uh, restored. And that it claims to have vital interests and relationships in the region. But she says by blocking international action on a transition plan in Syria. They put all of that at risk if they do not... Uh, move more constructively right now. Clinton's also rejecting a Russian claim that the U.S. is giving military aid to the Syrian rebels. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. Retired general and one of Secretary Clinton's predecessors, Colin Powell, is weighing in on how he sees the conflict in Syria. Powell calls the killings tragic, but says there's little the United States can do to stop it. I don't know that there is much that the United States can do other than work with the international community. And Powell told CBS this morning he thinks it's really a civil war. Probably has been a civil war for some time. He says the question always comes down to, is someone going to intervene? And that someone almost always turns to be the United States, and I don't think we can do that. Powell also says there are lots of countries that are having these kinds of internal civil wars in other parts of the world, and nobody's talking about intervening. David Melendi, Washington. The price of gasoline has been declining, and that has had an impact on other areas of the economy. Remember a few months ago when everyone was complaining about rising gas prices and politicians like Mitt Romney blamed President Obama and his energy team? Working like crazy to drive up the price of gasoline, and that's just what they've done. Well, now the Labor Department says a steep drop in gasoline costs drove down wholesale prices last month by the most since July of 2009 as the producer price index fell 1%. And the Commerce Department says retail sales fell 0.2% in May, same as in April, for the first back-to-back declines in two years, also because of declining gas prices. David Melendi, Washington. After a frightening experience aboard a JetBlue flight in which the pilot eventually had to be subdued, some passengers are now suing the airline. The 10 passengers say they feared they were all going to die when a pilot ran through the cabin yelling about Jesus and Al-Qaeda. This was during a New York to Las Vegas flight in March. The plane will never make it to Vegas. There's a bomb on board, Captain Clayton Osborne is alleged to have yelled. The first officer locked him out of the cockpit, and passengers wrestled him to the floor. We're all going down, he's alleged to have yelled. You better start praying right now. The passengers say JetBlue should have known Osborne was not fit to fly. He has a court hearing on Friday in Texas to determine whether he's competent to stand trial. I'm Rita Foley. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend. Your relationship coach, your life coach, your guide on the side is what we call 
is what we call this show. We want to be the handbook to your humanity, giving you the tools, the skills, the ideas that you need every day to get through this crazy thing we call life. Welcome to the show, everybody. I think we've got a great show for you today, and I think we're going to get into a topic that truly, truly can um, change your life if you'll let it, uh, because I th- I think everyone's struggling with this one, okay? It's this overload, this this life that we all are living that uh, is so complicated in a way, so in your face, so competitive nowadays. We've got our kids going in every direction you can imagine, and I, it just doesn't seem like we have any time to actually focus on each other, to be together, to grow our families into healthy, happy people. So how do we take back our families in this crazy time, uh, I don't know what we call it, just this warp time warp that we're in, where we're dedicating all of our time and energy to make our families better, and yet we still don't have time to actually focus on each other. Do you feel like you're starved? And do you feel like your family's starving from a lack of time together? If so, today's the day we're going to be talking about how to give you uh, some tools, some ideas, some very matter-of-fact practical ideas on how to to find more time with your family and literally create some memories, some time together. We'll be bringing on an expert, Deanne Flynn, who's written a book about this, and she'll give us her insight, as well as just the fact that um, I think a lot of us just need to actually take a second to think about it. We're so busy, we don't even have time to think about it. And then we just complain about how busy we are. I went out to dinner with a bunch of friends. We all have, you know, children anywhere from the, you know, three to six children and um, just average kind of 40-year-old couples. But it's so amazing how many of us are frustrated and exhausted and can't take anymore. So as we were sitting there, we thought, okay – I, I'm I'm on this re, this rebellious case where I'm done with my kids playing any sports or having any gifts or talents. Okay, I'm just done with it. <laughs> I feel like I just need to end that. So, because I always want to make them the best they can be, and I want to grow these talents. And I mean, I'm being a little facetious, but honestly, I don't want them to play any more sports. I've got five boys that all want to play three sports, and luckily there's seasons for sports. But that means we got five boys going in five different directions. And so we sat at dinner with all of these friends, and we basically just said, really, okay, would you guys, what do you think about just taking a sabbatical? One year, not having any sports for any of the kids. What's the worst thing that them missing one year could happen? What's the worst thing? And honestly, there is such incredible pressure. We were asking, what what makes it harder for some of you to quit doing this or for others to, to quit letting your kids or having your kids play sports or other activities or go to dance or go to piano? And what would happen? And a lot of them are just like, well, their friends are all doing it. We even got into the fact that some of the kids don't even really want to do it, but their friends are doing it. And because their friends are doing it, they're doing it. And all of a sudden, this peer pressure. So I realized a lot of us are stuck in the inability – to manage our own time simply because we don't know we have too much pressure. We have too many, we're going too many different directions. We have kids that want to do it and some want to do it and some kind of want to do it and some we really want to do it. And yet the reality is it's just coming from too many places. In fact, if you've listened to um, BYU radio long enough, you've probably heard of Linda and Richard Iyer. They have a show on, um, on BYU radio 
But listen to this quote. This comes from a quote from one of their books that um, I found like literally 20 years ago, and it's so powerful. It says this, we live in the first time and place in the world's history and geography where our challenges stem not from scarcity, but from surplus, not from oppression, but from options. And not from absence, but from abundance. Instead of struggling to find our next meal, we are struggling to get our busy families together long enough to eat a meal. Instead of fighting for freedom to make our choices, we are reeling in the complexity of 83 TV channels. By the way, that was many years ago. Now we have a lot more than that. Tens of thousands of consumer items and almost limitless numbers of education, job, and lifestyle alternatives. It's not the sparse simplicity of too little but the crowded complexity of too much that plagues our lives. And the answers lie not in the balance of our abilities, but in our ability to balance. Linda and Richard Iyer. Do you buy that? We live in the first place in time in history where our problem is not scarcity. It's surplus. We have so many options. It's not that we're being oppressed anymore. We're just being over. Uh, we have too many opportunities. And we don't know how to balance these abilities. So we're going to figure that out today on the show. And uh, to get it started, we're going to go on a little journey with one of our producers, Bryce Tobin. Now, you may, you know, you may not think much of it now, but our ability to manage time will affect our future, right? Let's get ready for the time management time machine with Bryce Tobin. It's here. It's the Time Management Time Machine. I'm going to take a few examples of people that I know and give an exaggerated prediction as to what they will be like in 20 years. Our first victim, every finals week, this person has to gather the roommates, provide the Facebook password, and then ask them all to change it for the duration of finals week. This is because this individual is incapable of maintaining their attention on something as crucial as finals when faced with the oppressive accessibility of Facebook. So what's in store 20 years down the road? Why we have someone, without the anchor of a potential bachelor's degree, who will spend all day on Facebook or whatever its contemptible descendants will be called. Not only will this person be eerily conversant with the goings-on of the lives of their friends and acquaintances, the lives of their children and their friends' children will eventually suffer the same fate. Our second victim is the do-everything-twice-because-I-didn't-give-myself-enough-time-to-do-it-right-the-first-time. Now this is a model of efficiency, but what is in store in 20 years? Why, someone who has two of everything, of course. While two dogs, two cars, and two kids may not seem all that excessive, two mortgages, two trips to the grocery store, picking the same kid up twice from soccer practice, or booking the same flight twice is not only a waste of money, but a real waste of time. The future can be a bit scary, huh? Yes, it can, Bryce. That scares me. That was very scary. Um, it sure can be. And it's especially scary if you have no clue how to manage time. So that is our goal on the show today. We are going to be giving you the tools, the ideas for how to start feeding your family, how to get your time back. And uh, we're going to be bringing on Deanne Flynn, mother of seven, just an author of a, of a great book, about how to how to really make this happen, how to change your life and take your life and your family back. Literally, I think one minute at a time, one hour at a time. Her book is Helping Overloaded Families Focus on What Matters Most. It's called The Time-Starved Family. And we're going to help you throughout the show to literally regain some of your freedom through time. 
Again, if you know somebody that struggles with this, get ready. Grab them. Get them by the, get them by the stereo or the, what do they call this? The radio. The stereo. That was a blast from the past. Get them back, and we'll be, um, we'll be coming back after this break on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Researchers can now see two to three times more clearly by using tiny mirrors that they can bend. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. The concept of adaptive optics to improve astronomical imaging has been around since the 1950s. The idea is to change the shape of the mirrors and telescopes to correct for distortions caused by our atmosphere. Recently, Boston Micromachines Corporation worked with NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory to develop microelectromechanical systems, or MIMS, deformable mirrors. The mirrors on these systems are extremely small, low power, lightweight, and perfect for space telescopes. Up to a thousand tiny mirrors on a silicon chip can each bend independently to correct light waves with unparalleled precision. The mirror systems are now in use on major observatories around the world, and the next generation of deformable mirrors is being developed to help astronomers get images of planets orbiting nearby stars. NASA is using this technology as they design and develop instruments with up to 100 times the imaging power of the Hubble Space Telescope. MEMS technology is also being used in microscopes, imaging cells in the retina of the eye, and improving optical communications by shaping laser beams. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. This'll take a while. Sometimes it's better to take things slow. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview. Join Dean Duncan weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Sirius XM 143. BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, for the longest time. Does that music just seriously jogs my mind as I think about it? We are back with Deanne Flynn who is the author of The Time-Starved Family. And Deanne, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice Tons to be here. Tons of fun. Um, I'm thinking as, as, we, as you talk about family, you're mom of seven. I am. How old's your oldest? My oldest is 22 and my youngest is eight, almost nine. Yeah, okay. That's quite the spread. That's about what I've got. Mm-hmm. So you're in the mix I'm in the mix, but I'm seeing the light. Is there a light? Day. There's a light. What does it look like? The light looks like you can actually see um, an end. And what I mean by an end is this: the games that you yeah. were just mentioning. Yeah. You know, they won't play sports into their adulthood. Yeah. So Don't that's kind of good. Well, you're already kind of like dissuading. Like, I mean, like we're very practical with our younger three, like. You know what? Yes. Not everyone's going to play pro ball. You've learned, haven't you? Yeah, Because totally. with your first children, you want them to do and try everything, and then you see that that's not necessarily no. good for your entire family that's or right. for them. Really. That's right. And so now we're basically saying, you know what? Just sit at home. No. <laughs> We've become more practical and of necessity by the economy. 
So when the Time Star family came out in 2009, um, the economy was at, an, at a it low. It was at a stop. So yeah. many um, families had already made that move to cut back because they couldn't afford the activities and the lessons that they had once right. been able to do. But um, I was in a very similar situation uh, to you that you were just describing with your friends at dinner in 2007 at a luncheon with many of my friends, and we were discussing the same thing. We were all complaining, yeah. yet no one was doing anything about it. And um, I had this this conversation with really, really fabulous, articulate capable women who were acting helpless yeah, like, that made me do? think wait a minute are, aren't you in charge of your family and your schedule you know so there is something you can do and I've always said if you don't take control of your time someone else will that's right then they'll own you they'll own you so I made a big decision with my husband and we did cut back we did what you were suggesting how did you do did you get one act one year you just took a sabbatical pretty much for everything it wasn't completely everything but yeah. it was pretty much everything well, we, what did it do to your family to me it's beautiful yeah it was it was much less stress uh of course obviously less expensive mm -hmm. but um we let everyone pick one thing and we concentrated on the basics which to me are family time family dinner yeah um you know things that connecting every day which is something you don't do right no. typically as no. a family too busy too busy and it, i will tell you that now that it's 2012 it's back to a struggle a little bit yeah. To keep that balance, chaos. it's it's a thing that you have. To, it's not necessarily chaos, but 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 this kind of a fix with your family requires a lot of energy and constant evaluation. Mm -hmm. It's not something you fix once. It's like discipline, isn't it's it? It's like everything. Yeah. It's like dishes, laundry. It's like everything. It just comes back like the dust. You constantly have to keep set your it. sights. Now, you mentioned earlier in your um, introduction that we do these things because we want to keep up, and that's true. Or our friends are doing it. But I feel like a lot of what we do in our families is competitive uh, with comparison basis with our families, yeah. our friends, other people. You know, I feel like that is part of the trap. Yeah, totally. You know, it's just comparing. And, you, of course, you want capable children. And you say you're done with sports. We want talented children. Yeah. Why? So they'll get the scholarship, so they'll go to college, so they'll be successful. So we kind of have to evaluate why uh -huh. are we doing yeah. all that we're doing. And who's it for? I mean, who's is it, it for, for them? Mm -hmm. Is it for us? Exactly. Yeah. I think sometimes as adults, we relive our own childhood yeah. through our children. Mm -hmm. And if we didn't get to play the guitar, we absolutely insist that they do and do it well because it's our little dream. Yeah, because you'll feel so much better if you can play the guitar when you're my you will. So it's the piano is the, you know, everyone. Yeah. I need you to play the piano. And it's this big debate. Yeah. And I know your daughter plays yeah, very well, so obviously you have helped her to Well, practice. honestly, but then what we were told is we didn't do it early enough. Oh. <laughs> so we're like, we didn't push her hard enough, or she could have been. And I want to know who told you that. Uh, she did. She plays beautifully. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I can't imagine that she actually, she actually said Because that. she wanted to be a concert pianist. Well, yeah, and we should have realized that her talent when she was four or five. Of course, it's your fault. Exactly. We need someone to blame. And meanwhile, we have all these other boys sitting around that are pretty talented as well, and we push them, and they're like, leave me alone. It's so true. But that is interesting about boys and girls, too. It is. You know, because yeah. girls, they, they are much more driven mm -hmm. generally. She 
speaking. just got it. She just picked it up. Yeah, generally speaking. But, you know, I think it's important for your family to sit down together. I love that And idea. to talk about why you're doing the things you're doing. Maybe have an overall plan or objective mm-hmm. of saying, you know, this is why we're doing these things because we want you to, number one, be smart. So, of course, homework and studies are important. And in my book, I talk a lot about how you personally as a parent are not responsible for your child's homework or practicing because then you're really handicapping that child. Really? Absolutely. So I, I don't do their I don't do their science project. No, you How don't. How about an Eagle well, Scout? Project? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I have fallen into that trap yeah. more times than I'd like to tell you that. I, I have two Eagle Scouts. My first Eagle Scout, I pretty much earned it for him. My second Eagle <laughs> so Scout, he <laughs> earned it with his leader, who's also Did a mother, yeah. and oh, she good. probably gets half of that. That's right. But I, I feel like I've learned a few things over the years. I'm almost 50, and hopefully I've learned a few things oh, for sure. as we do grow. But one of the main things, I think, is um, knowing when to say no. Yeah. You know, you we don't know it. how to say no, no. Though, don't you think? But we we're, really we're, we're creating this generation now of people who – have a hard time doing things because they've had yes men, yes yeah. women parents. And then when someone actually makes them do some work or, you know, effort in something, then it's got to be wrong or yeah. bad because that doesn't feel this right. It takes energy. It's called anxiety. That's right. And I hear that all the time with young adults now. Yeah. I have anxiety. I'm thinking, okay, I've had anxiety my whole yeah. life. You push through it. It's stress. It's what it is. And it's and stress is healthy. Some stress, you stress is this healthy kind of stress. Yeah, and I and know they don't that, want to feel it. Well, they 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 blanket anxiety into a lot of different things yeah. because they've never really done hard things. Now, you yeah. might say playing football is hard yeah. because they're out in the sun, you know, running around. Yeah. But they're kind of the golden boy. Yeah. They don't have to have a job. They don't right. have to necessarily do chores because they're on the field and aren't they great because they're making the touchdown. And we kind of put them on yeah, a pedestal. pedestal. And we kind of make them into a uh, a person that isn't prepared sometimes for mm-hmm. real life. And that's, I mean, that could be the dancer, that could, that could be the be cheerleader, absolutely. the tumbler, that, yes, whatever absolutely. it is. Any of those huh? things that require a lot. And yeah. so that's as a parent where you need to reevaluate sometimes and, and say, well, in the long run, what's going to be best for not only this child, but for us as a unit? You yeah. know, what's going to be best for our bank account? What's going to be best for our sanity? You know, we're, we're giving our kids French fries over the seat in their car seat behind yeah. us, driving up to fast food, fast everything, fast dry cleaning, fast drive up, yeah. everything, banking, you know. It's interesting because you're not even talking about time management. You're really talking about what's your vision, what's your purpose of your entire family. But like, that is time management. But it's interesting. Well, you, what else What else do you make your decisions on? Well, you have 24 hours in every day, and that's what every person has. And yeah. so what sets us apart as human beings is how you use that amount of time. Exactly. So now every person is going to ha- require a different amount of sleep. But mm-hmm. really, your waking hours, are, that's what defines you, right. Matt. So that's where so, you got to begin, though. Yeah. And so how are those waking hours going to define you as a parent and, as, and your family? Now, we do this little... Uh, kind of interview thing with our children at the beginning of a school year, yeah. at the beginning of a new year, and at the beginning of the summer, where we sit down with them, we set goals, teach them how to set goals, so they have their little list of goals and the areas in which they should set them on their you know wall in their room, and then we discuss how they're going to go about it. But then they're pretty much, it's pretty much up to them. Yeah, you're on your own now. Well, I mean, so you check in, yeah. and we talk every day about it, but, you know, really, I cannot make my child no. do a whole lot about, you know, a lot of things. Yeah. 
even if we try. Well, the forcing, it doesn't, all it does is make a rebellious child. It doesn't child. work, exactly. Yeah, so I love Faye and Klein with the Parenting with Love and Logic. Yeah. I love that book. You know, what are you going to do? Throw it back to the child. What are you going to do? You know, and make them fail, make them a decision maker right. and capable. And own it. And, and now they... They can su- they can have the success. Right. They can suffer the consequence. Either way, it's theirs. Now, when you talk about time management, there are, like I said, so many hours in a day. So let's just say your child says, after school, I want to play with friends. So you say, okay, then you'll do your practicing or whatever is required of you around the house before school. And, you know, if that doesn't get done, then that yeah. will be your consequence. Yeah. Natural consequence. Yeah. We'll meet back here at 530. We'll eat dinner, you know. And. As long as everybody is on the same page as far as knowing what's going on, so maybe on a Sunday is when we do our family council, go through the calendar, you figure out what has to happen, who needs what and when and how, and then you you, everybody knows what's expected, pretty much. Things come up, but everybody kind of knows. And then you can see as a parent who's not... um, doing a lot. You know, I have friends who use the color code system where uh-huh. they'll each make each child a different color. So you can see at a glance on the calendar who's overscheduled and who doesn't have enough to keep them busy. Yeah. You know, yeah. with a big family, that's a great way to go. It's huge. You know, so you can you can see that way. But calendaring's big. Communication's big. So having that meeting. Look how much time it takes to get them to the point to do it. That's probably where so many families are losing it because it takes energy and focus and a plan and consistency. I've always feel I always feel like we're failing cuz we're so inconsistent. It's true because you're human. Yeah. You're just a human being that gets tired. Yeah. You know, and by the time you're down to the, you know, kids will tease that their younger siblings get so much more. It's cuz their parents are just plain tired. That's you right. Know? We're worn we're out. We're worn out. But, yeah. you know, it's just like a business being successful at anything takes time and energy and effort and think of there's nothing more important than your right. family. Right. So you kind of run it like a business in many ways. Yeah, no. You know, business with love. <laughs> yeah. And uh, most important business you've got. Absolutely. Yes. And, some, and, and it actually, it can slip away from you, you know. Well, you're modeling the type of behavior mm-hmm. that your children will probably, um, you know, use in right. their own families. So that's something to think about. Totally. These, you know? you're, you're preparing your grandchildren. Exactly. Your great-grandchildren for how they're going to manage their And we lives. bite our nails sometimes when we see the, our kids parenting uh, our grandkids because we're thinking, like, oh, no, really? Exactly. You're doing what what I must did. our parents have thought? Uh, so you put the book together because you were, you were kind of out on the limb yourself. You yeah. were on thin... Yeah. Ground, the subtitle ice. is Helping Overloaded Families Focus on What Matters Most. Yeah. So you decide for you what matters most. Everyone's going to have a different idea of what sure. that is. And you just have to nail that down. Where do you go? Because it seems like that's part of the problem, too, is the blur. The blur of what matters most seems to kind of it, – it shouldn't be this movable thing. What matters most seems like it should be – Static. It should just stay. Well, some principles are, yeah. but you know, the needs do change yeah, so depending the needs on change which season it. you're in. Right. Yeah. the The original title of the book was "The Talent Trap" because I feel like talent development can be a trap oh, for sure. But it, it broadened to the Time Star family because we we do talk about um, sixteen principles that anyone, any family can use. The first is just deciding to thrive. It's yeah. a decision, it's like a, a not just to survive. Yeah, we're going to make this work. Yeah, and then to realize that you can't do it all and do it all well, so you have yeah. to prioritize. Understanding that winning isn't the only thing. A lot of times we get really competitive. Yeah, um, and don't you think that in our in our um, – we, we just let life take us. 
mm-hmm. and Sometimes. just start carrying us downstream. And if we're not careful, it doesn't. That downstream is not ever, always where we want to go. No, and I think because of our society and how we are competitive, we actually think that more is more, you know, when less is often more. And so, you know, it's just the evaluation. And sometimes we need to take a small step back. Right. See, I think um, we're going to do this. We're going to take a break. When we come back from the break, though, Deanne, I want to get into a lot of more of the tools, specifically like how do you get your family to eat dinner together? Mm -hmm. Because that to me seems like such a magic moment if you'd – Make it that way. Mm-hmm. And how do you actually say no if you have some ideas? And Because just like trying to get my friends to go, let's just all agree we're not going to do it. Yeah. Let's just not do it. This, right. this is just this year. Mm-hmm. Let's not play football this year. Mm-hmm. And they all looked at you like, what, what's your problem? Right. Why are you going again? It's seriously mm-hmm. like you're trying to have this major revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you say no to people? And what, um, what else do you stress? If you're not going to stress – you know, busy activity is the goal of life. Mm-hmm. What is the ultimate goal that you teach your kids where we should be spending our time? So you be thinking of those. I've got some I know ideas. you've already got them. Yep. She wrote a book for crying out loud. Deanne Flynn wrote the book, Time Starved Family. And you, they can get this where, Deanne? You can really get it anywhere. Uh, Desert Book was the publisher, but it's okay. online at Barnes & Noble, Amazon. It's everywhere. Well, it's, it should be everywhere. It should, and it's not. Well, it is probably it, everywhere. All you got to do is look for it, right? We'll be back with Deanne Flynn and a lot of other ideas for how to, to start feeding your family, get your time back, and maybe while you're doing it, seriously start to focus on what matters most in your life. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Right now, nearly 30% of U.S. students aren't finishing high school. In many places, it's even higher than that. And fixing it? is a responsibility that we all share. This is President Obama, and I urge everyone to take responsibility for encouraging the high school students in your communities, to support them, challenge them, and do whatever it takes to help them make it through. Do your part by going to BoostUp.org and giving a student the boost that's needed to make it to graduation. A message from the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. (sighs) Parenting can be a tricky business. And we all know families don't come with a handbook. That's why we can learn from world-traveling family coaches, the Ayers. Join the Ayers on the road for family, parenting, and general life advice Monday through Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, on Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143, BYU Radio. J.P. Morgan Chase's CEO has admitted that the major, major trading losses earlier this year were no one's fault but his. CEO Jamie Dimon admits that calling the losses a tempest in a teapot two months ago was a mistake. I was dead wrong. Appearing before the Senate Banking Committee, Dimon said he knew of the trading strategy that went south but hadn't approved it. We made a mistake. I'm absolutely responsible. The buck stops with me. He blamed complacency for the huge losses, saying the portfolio, which was designed to protect the company, instead morphed into something that created huge risks. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. New information on how New Yorkers feel about the planned ban on large sugary soft drinks shows that opinions are largely divided along gender lines. 
The Quinnipiac University poll finds New Yorkers oppose the proposed restrictions on big sugary sodas by 51 to 46 percent. There are big differences between the sexes. Women actually favor it by a slim margin. Men oppose it by 55 to 41 percent. Manhattan voters support the limit. Voters in all four other boroughs are against it. On Staten Island, the margin is two to one. As for the stated goal of the proposal, by a count of 59 to 36 percent, voters say restricting sugary sodas to 16 ounces won't reduce obesity. Warren Levinson, New York. Secretary of Defense Leon Panetta is denouncing claims that classified information about Osama bin Laden's death was provided to movie producers. Some lawmakers have argued the CIA and Pentagon put national security in jeopardy by giving too much cooperation to the filmmakers. Panetta says the Defense Department does have an office that works with movie producers. We want to make sure that the information that they do use uh, is accurate. But the former CIA chief insisted before a Senate panel that cooperation only went so far. No unauthorized uh, disclosures were provided to the producers or anybody else. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. In response to new signs pointing to larger crowds at the London Olympic Games, more funds have been placed in the crowd control budget. Surprisingly large turnouts have met the Olympic torch relay all over Britain, and the festivities surrounding the Queen's Jubilee also drew millions into the capital. So with hundreds of cultural events taking place at the same time as the Sports Olympics, authorities now accept that more people are likely to come to London than they'd anticipated. Sports Minister Hugh Robertson says an additional $29 million has been added to the crowd control budget, bringing the total spent on such measures to well above $100 million. Charles de la Desmond, London. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Don't you wish you had too much time? I guess we all do have too much time. We just don't spread it right. That's right. We got to we got to spend our time better. We are um, gonna do a quick little uh, featurette, I guess is what we're calling, and we're gonna go to one of our producers, Corinne Collins, who's gonna take a closer look at leisure time. You know, people just say maybe they're running out of leisure time. They don't have the same amount of time. Where does it all seem to go? Let's listen to Corinne Collins and find out. What is this life if full of care? We have no time to stand and stare. Some of you might recognize that as a poem by William Henry Davis called Leisure or Leisure, as you might say it. We never seem to have enough of it. Every day I wake up, go to school, go to work, do my homework, and I seem to barely have any time for a spare breath. Not to mention all the stress that all these things cause me. But are my elevated stress levels a result of my demanding schedule or my inability to manage time? Well, according to a recent study, 25% of our happiness hinges on our ability to manage stress, which also makes time management a key factor in our happiness ratings. According to Dr. Karen Matthews, a professor of psychiatry and psychology at the University of Pittsburgh, people who are engaged in multiple enjoyable activities are better off physically and psychologically, indicating that managing our time enough to be able to participate in leisure activities, or just things that aren't work and or school, is a benefit to our physical health. 
The results of Dr. Matthews' 2009 study on leisure found that adults who spent more time doing different leisure activities had lower blood pressure, waist circumference, body mass index, and cortisol measurements, which are all markers of good health. But how can we get to that point? We're all so busy, right? Well, ideally, we would be able to just spend our time staring as long as sheep or cows, as William Henry Davies might say. But maybe it just starts with one small step, a leisure activity here or there, and then the rest will come later, hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully is the question or the statement mm-hmm. of choice there. We are back with Deanne Flynn, a, a mother of seven children and the author of the book, The Time-Starved Family, Helping Overloaded Families Focus on What Matters Most. Deanne, welcome back. Thanks. I'm going to talk in a British accent. Don't you love her accent? Yes. She says leisure wrong, I though. just wish I could speak like I that. Know. She actually can speak like an American and a Southern American. She can speak incredibly. She can speak like somebody from Utah. She can. She's amazing. She is. Corinne Collins, and we are back with Deanne Flynn. Now, Deanne, I wanted you to get a little bit more into your book because there's some interesting topics there. One thing that maybe to just start out with, one of your chapters is called Model Controlled Behavior. Mm-hmm. What is, what's the idea there? Because to me, con- uh, most of us are not very good at modeling controlled anything. And I'm not either lately. Aren't you <laughs> struggling with that I one? was when I was writing the book, yeah. but you know, it's something I struggle with. You know, because stress breeds just complete breakouts. Right. You know, and the more children you have or the more stress you have, the more you're, you know, the army drill sergeant right. hollering out commands and it becomes more, uh, you know, just a big, I don't know, drill more right. than a home, like, like loving commands. home. Yeah. yeah. And so I feel like when you cut back on activities, uh, it, you're more likely to model controlled behavior when you are conscious of it and trying, you're more likely. And as I mentioned in the previous segment, the, the behavior we're modeling is likely the behavior our children will use when oh. they are parenting, which is a, an, a sobering thought. That is depressing. Mm-hmm. Like, or, I mean, it, it should be... Oh, perfect. I have so much power to influence. Well, you thought you were going to be. Do you remember when you started out? You looked at that little baby and you thought, I am going to do everything right for you. I love you so much. And I've read all the books. (laughs) I've took the college courses. I am. You have a PhD for heaven's sakes, probably. So you are going to be so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then reality strikes and work and life and money and everything else that falls into the mix. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the child, but it just they get the brunt of it. When your kids, my kids are even telling my daughter, my oldest is telling me, yeah, you guys are just you're I'm not going to do it like you guys. Oh, yeah. You guys are stressed. Yeah. And you're like. Be quiet. Yes. What? <laughs> Don't Sneak? talk back to me. Yes. Just say it in a British accent. I, know, I need to. What? Stressed? It's, so, yeah. That's Mary Poppins. Yes. That, uh, you can't really do it. But <laughs> I really feel like that's something we should consider and think about often. Totally. Yeah. As parents. You know, I feel like um, one of the things I want to talk about is eating dinner together as a family because that is something that is on the huge decline Absolutely. in the past uh, many years. and. Really, studies out of Harvard and Columbia have strongly suggested that that's one of the very best things you can do for your family. Isn't that interesting? Of all the things. Of all the things. Dinner time. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because dinner time improves and promotes parent-child communication. And when you get a teen, now when they're younger, they'll talk to you. We all mm-hmm. know that children love to talk yeah, to a little too much you when they're younger. Yeah, but when they're older, they tend to climb up. And, and the parents who have good relationships with their teens uh, tend to have better teens, yeah. making better choices. Right. So dinner time is the magical time to do that. 
Yeah. It's interesting. Now, Stephen Covey, years ago, 20 so, 30 years ago, said um, he saw the dinner table as like the altar. Yes, almost. It's, it's the family altar. It's where we all come to the altar to just Well, connect. the boys, you have five boys, you said? Yeah. So that is definitely a trough altar for <laughs> them the because trough. the boys, I have learned, feed them and they will love you. Feed them well and they will love you more. And That's lots. not a bad idea. It's true. They, they what do you do you... with the girls? Well, the I guess girls, you just talk yeah, you just, while you're eating. Yeah, you do some talking. But you also teach them how to prepare a meal, which kind of is a lost art. Totally. You know, you get these kids going to college or off on doing service or missions or whatever they're doing, and many of them have never cooked. They've never prepared a meal. Yeah. Now, luckily, um, that's something that you have 100% control over. Well, it's almost it's the food, but it's also... Do they know how to clean? Do they know mm-hmm. how? I mean, do they know how to wash their clothes? Do Absolutely. They, these are all things they should be learning. They should be learning them, and we are the ones who teach those yeah. things. Because of our fast-paced lifestyle, we're eating more and more pre-prepared foods. We're going to drive-through windows. We're not doing that whole thing that our parents did with us yeah. for a number of reasons. Not just because that was what their paradigm was, but because it was the thing they could afford to do. Now you were saying that Linda and Richard Iyer, who are great friends, said, you know, there's so much excess that we have now, you know, so many options that that's really our challenge. And that is the truth for sure. So one of our jobs as parents is to help our kids become capable by learning to take care of themselves, by learning to to cook, to clean up after themselves, to, to, uh, you know, do some mending, to do their laundry. Um, it's surprising how many of my children's, I have three at BYU next year, um, have had roommates that like have had zero experience in that area. Oh, Zero. what a horrible roommate! Well, Let no, alone a if they're nice spouse. people, necess- sure. you know, probably. Yeah, but, but but they really, yeah, the future spouse, the future parent. What, a, what are they going to teach yeah, their children? Are they exactly. just going to have Alice from the Brady Bunch come That's, in? Yeah, where is Alice? Where is she? Yeah. I want to know. So anyway, also eating, eating dinner together um, positively affects the academic performance and the language skills of children. That is scientifically proven. Because we're going to be talking at the table. Mm -hmm. And I I even love the idea of asking a question like, what did you learn? Have them all come to you teaching you. Right. Everyone has to teach what they learned. We we always say, what's your best thing? We want to know what's happening in your life. We don't want to know your worst thing. We want to know your best thing. And then family dinners foster healthy child development. Statistics show that teens who eat dinner with their families eat uh, better food. They eat more healthy. They drink uh, less alcohol, uh, fewer reports of drug abuse. Eating dinner um, also helps kids who may struggle with um, peers. For instance, I... I've seen children who don't have a lot of peer interaction. So they're in front of a screen or a TV. But that one time a day gives them a social lift as well, even though it's their family, that they have someone to connect to, someone who cares about them in their life. And and it it should be your family. It shouldn't just be... But oftentimes it is your friends, especially in the teens, because friends are everything to teens. So some of those younger kids who maybe don't have those close friendships, they get lost in the shuffle. Plus, you can bring your friend, your son's friends in. You can bring mm-hmm. the teens into your dinner. Mm-hmm. Just our dinner goes on at five thirty or six. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. If you want to bring people, bring them. Absolutely, but we're going to all be here, and yeah. you're expected to be here. Yeah, I think it's one of those things. You establish your routine. You plan ahead, and yeah. that's one of the problems I'm hearing from moms is there. There's nothing to eat in our house. I haven't had time to go to the grocery store. You know, so it does take a Absolutely. planning ahead. When I grew up, my mom made a shopping list. It was always on the fridge. You know, it's that kind of thing. You have a list. Yeah. You go shopping. You plan oh, what your meals are going to. 
be. I'm too busy running around to plan. Well, that's kind of a lost art, too. <laughs> totally. Actually sitting down and saying, okay, these recipes require these ingredients, and mm-hmm. I need to have them available to me in order to make a meal, which is kind of crazy. You would think that would just be a logical yeah. Scenario, but it's very atypical these days. Well, and so many times you're dropping your kids off and then you're sitting in a car waiting for the next one or you're waiting. And maybe that's just what happens is we then go get lost in our phone when maybe we ought to be making our plan or, yeah. or anticipating And now later. we have all these handy-dandy gadgets mm-hmm. that we can easily make lists. Which should make our lives easier. They do not. And they don't. They make it more complicated. And more stressful and yes. complicated. So we, we talked about making a, a plan. We talked about training your children, yeah. establishing a routine or right. a certain time, you know, and um, just being positive about it. When you don't do it, just start back, get on back on oh, track. Well. Start over. Do it again tomorrow. Yeah, start. But we, no matter what, we still have our family dinner time tomorrow. We do, and when there are times when we get in a you know tournament or a, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. you get off track for a while, and then so that's when you don't get back on sometimes. That's right. When you kind of lose the routine yeah. for a while. So maybe that's one of the reasons why Covey said it was sacred. Is sacred things we always get back to. Yeah. Eventually, right? Starting so. over. That's our big family motto. Start over. Do over. I love that yeah, idea. It happens a lot at the Flynn house. <laughs> you know, another thing is teaching your kids to work hard. That's We talked about that a little bit in the um, first segment. Right. But, you know, they're so busy that sometimes they don't have time to have a job, yeah. which I think is important outside of I the agree. home. Now, you know, I hear all the time, but there are no jobs. There are jobs yeah. if well, kids are willing to work. Or let me, yeah, do jobs that need to be done and but, let me pay you to do them instead of handing you money. Even if, um, and I'm not talking about from your mom or dad. Yeah, you're I'm talking, talking about from somebody family, else. Yeah. You know, we don't give an allowance. I don't believe in an allowance. I believe that you pitch in yeah. uh, for living in a home and yeah. eating food and having a nice clean bed to sleep in. But, you know. So I've had kids who've sent around flyers who sure. were 14 for babysitting or weeding or whatever, yeah. watching your dog or your cat. We just had kids from the neighborhood wash windows. Yeah. We've had them washing garbage cans. Absolutely. We've had them painting. All I mean, those things. Th- yeah. It's yeah, out there. It it's just takes ambition. It's out there. Bagging at a grocery store, washing dishes at a restaurant. We've had kids do practically everything, snow cone stands, frozen yeah. yogurt, you know, all those things. And some of, our, of them are seasonal. You know, the, the fruit stands are seasonal. The honey-baked ham packaging is seasonal at Christmas yeah. time. But definitely, if you're willing to get out there and beat the bushes, and that is something we should be teaching our that. kids. Well, not, in the end, that'll buy you time. Because if they know how to work, you can put them to work. Yeah. At and not house. just easy work. No, no, no. Like, let's get that yard done. Yeah, but and a lot of times parents don't want to spend the time sitting next to them, hearing them complain mm-hmm. as they get over themselves and learn how to do it. Right. I have a friend who puts a list inside of each room so that when you're assigned to clean the bathroom, there's a checklist that's laminated that says, this is what you do. This, then this, then this. Don't come to me yeah. until everything on that's this right. list is checked off. And then you model that behavior the first few times. You have to deal with all the whining, but then you've done it. Now there's a standard. Everybody does it by the standard. Even where to put the rags when they're done. Love it. You know, all those things because those are things that a child just doesn't know Uh or they're probably not going to do unless you teach them and show them. And teach them and show them once, and over time it gets easier and easier. Then you don't have to do it every time. I think so too. You also say, what do we do if we're not doing all these sports? You said maybe we take a break. Then what do we do? Okay, I have this little idea, and it all also helps you get into college because you know we want half yes. the reason we're doing all these things is so they'll actually right. get accepted right. into a college get a and get a job That's you know right. or not just even a scholarship just get accepted just, yeah. and just you know? be a human just or be, a great citizen yeah anything um service Love it. Service is one of those things that is nothing sweeter on every level. It helps the person you're serving. It helps the individual who is serving. And it helps you get into college. Yeah. 
every single act of service, write it down. Keep a notebook of it because when you're writing those scholarship applications or you those college entrance exams you, or entrance um, you know, information sheets, yeah. you will need to remember what you've done. And they even want hours, uh, number of hours you've spent. Yeah. You know, and my kids have gotten um, scholarships for serving, and I know that they're out there. You Google service scholarships, and they are there. See – and it builds self-esteem. I, I think service hands down the number one way to build self-esteem. We always think it's about knowing yourself and getting into – but you know what? Knowing the service of others is the fastest way to find out who you are. It's so true, at getting outside of yourself. And, and that's a hard thing, especially for teen boys. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a hard thing. Well, because it's awkward. And, it's, uh-huh. but, and then you, you feel that weird feeling of – Goodness. Yeah, I know it's true. And, you know, you can give them some choices if they don't have some good ideas. You can write out some ideas for them and sit down and discuss, mm-hmm. you know, which thing looks good to you. It's the love and logic idea. Which one do you want to choose? You know, if they don't have any ambition whatsoever. Well, and what, what if the idea was we take a year off from, you know, taking care of all of our own fun and sports and we go serve? I mean, yeah, people do that all the time. They we're, do. We're going to go away to Kenya and serve. Well, I know. Why don't you just serve in your neighborhood? You could serve in your neighborhood and it's free. However, I do think some of these expeditions, these oh, humanitarian expeditions, fantastic. you know, kids, uh, my three oldest have done them and my fourth is planning this next summer. And really, as a family, there are several opportunities that are drivable in Mexico, oh. in Baja, California. Yeah. There are orphanages, there. you know, and you can just cross across Tijuana and go right down there and stay right on the That's orphanage. powerful. Yeah. Deanne, if you had to think of one thing, we have about 30 seconds. What is the number one tip, the number one key to getting your your time back with your family? Focusing on the things that really matter to you, the things that really count to you and your family. And establish that. Establish what matters most to your family. And do that as a family. Absolutely. So is that our challenge? We're going to challenge everyone to go sit down with their family and talk. Ours are good, smart, and nice. Those are our goals. So, so explain that. Good, smart, and nice. You know, we want to make good kids, smart kids, nice kids. Perfect. And I I bet you have that embroidered somewhere at your house. How did you know? I can just tell. Yeah, you could see that. It's brilliant. I look domestic. You've etched it out in a piece of wood. Good, smart, and nice. But see, that's so simple. It is, but it's hard to do. But that's what it's about. That's what it's about. Deanne Flynn, thank you so much. Now, by the way, Deanne has another book out that you might want to go look up called The Mother's Might. Why Even Our Smallest Efforts Matter. She has another book coming out in 2013 on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. And this book you're going to want to go check out. Again, Barnes & Noble, anywhere online, Amazon, The Time Starved Family, Helping Overloaded Families Focus on What Matters Most. Deanne Flynn, thanks for joining us. Thank you. We're going to have to have you back and pick your brain. We'll, well to, I'm we'll going to, do to the widow's practice mind. my British accent before do I that. come back. Get it done. Thanks, Deanne, and uh, we'll be back after this break on The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page and Twitter at BYU Radio. Bifocals are so 18th century. The future of eyeglasses will be here in the blink of an eye. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Researchers at Pixel Optics have been working for years to develop a new kind of eyeglasses that combines chemistry with electricity and can be automatically switched on or off using a built-in accelerometer. The lens is made of two pieces of glass with a section that has an electroactive liquid crystal layer sandwiched in between. 
The liquid crystals within that layer are reoriented by an electrical charge, focusing a section of the lens for near or far vision instantly. These innovative glasses work in either automatic or manual mode. To change the mode, just swipe the side of the frame with your finger. In manual mode, you can turn the near focus on or off by simply touching the side of the frame. A built-in battery powers the electronics in the glasses for two to three days at a time. They can be recharged within a few hours on an inductive charger stand. If you wear bifocals or progressive lenses, it's clear that this futuristic invention could change the way you see life. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Are there some global issues you wish you could know more about or get an inside perspective on? Notes from the Kennedy Center presents lectures and seminars from international diplomats and scholars discussing issues and events from all over the world. For the first time, the number of AIDS deaths in the world declined. Become a more informed global citizen and tune in to Notes from the Kennedy Center, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. When I look in my father's eyes. Now, we've been talking about time management, right? And just the importance of putting most important things first. What, honestly, could be more important this weekend than your father? Then taking some time to go love your father and to dedicate some some good words, some time, maybe a little good food, as Deanne was talking about. It's the fastest way to our stomachs. But celebrating Father's Day. And as part of that, I um, on the morning show today, on uh, Marcus Smith's morning show today, I, I did a— um, I did an interview with a bunch of other fathers, and and I'm stealing it because it's not even going to be on until tomorrow's show. But in the end, what I want to do is play a couple minutes of some advice from new fathers. One person's about to have a baby with his wife, and he's asking questions to some other people on a panel of fathers. Check this out. A question I had was, like, you have a lot of— fathers that get all excited for their kids and they plan everything out and they say, you know, I want them to be this huge football star. Yeah. And then the plan goes down the drain. Uh-huh. So like how much planning Very do little. fathers go through and everything like that? Very little. And to be perfectly honest, I have to divulge something about myself for this to make sense because I'm a huge Disney fan, huge Disney fan. Nothing wrong and with that. Is that why you're wearing you, those ears? Yes, yes. <laughs> you take those off for a minute. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> and I always thought I would have Disney princess lovers. And so when our first was born, little girl, I was gearing up for oh, yeah. the Snow White phase uh-huh. and the mm. Ariel phase and Cinderella. And she, early on, like you were talking yeah. about, we noticed, you know what? She is not all girl. No. And Mm -hmm. she actually wants to be, and you ask her now, she's six years old, Haven, what are you going to be when you grow up? Construction builder. (laughs) Cool. Or a paleontologist. She's she's into dinosaurs, (laughs) trucks, everything boy. NASCAR. And and what I say is NASCAR. NASCAR. There we go. (laughs) She loves Kyle Busch. I'm cheering for Kyle Busch. Hey, NASCAR. My daughters daughters follow NASCAR, but I I force them to. There's there's a saying in our home that I, with Haven, it's, 
she's all boy, that girl. And That's so cool. I've had to yeah. swallow a lot of that. I want to buy her costumes and dolls of all these Disney princesses. And there has been none of that with her. Now, child number three, nine months old, little girl, there's some hope. I'm hoping that she wants to go into this princess phase for six or seven years. Let me warn you something about the princess phase. Because I have Uh-oh, four don't. princesses. I had okay. a son go through okay. it, but I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> That's for the, oh, no, I have we're not going to leave that. Let's I have four princesses at home. And uh, they, we, we, we have all the Disney costumes. They're all in a dress-up box. And that dress-up box repeatedly is empty every single day. And it is a mess. All over costumes the Costumes all, all over the, the home. Is yes, this what you're it getting is, at? Well, it, yeah, exactly. And those costumes are not cheap. <laughs> Excellent. A little taste of the morning show here on BYU Radio and and just kind of the joy of being a father, a young father. It was fun to have us sitting around and talking to um, Miles Nielsen, who's about – his wife's about to deliver a brand-new baby. And just to think, oh, boy, what has he got in store for him? And honestly – it's so powerful to just – I mean no matter how frustrated we might be by our children, today's show was really about finding the time to be together, finding the time to create those memories that matter the most and to create the, the feeling of being there for each other and caring after each other. That's why time matters. And again, I'm just going to challenge you. Go spend some time. Go try to take back your family and maybe most importantly this weekend um, – Go spend some time with your dad. Thank your thank dad for what he's brought you and given you in life. Thank him for who you are. Thank him for the little things he's given. And maybe just more importantly, remember that time flies and uh, you're not going to have him around forever. One of my uh, – some quotes that we were looking up when it comes to time is uh, – there's a great one here um, by Carl Sandburg that says, Time is the coin of your life. It is the only coin you have, and only you can determine how it will be spent. Be careful lest you let other people spend it for you. If we've learned anything today, let us learn that our time is ours to spend. We're the ones that eventually will have the accounting on that money and that time. We're the ones that will either take these this moments of life and turn them into something special or we're the ones that will have the regrets when we spent too much time caught up in the thick of thin things, if you've heard that quote before. Now remember, take care of your dad. Go love on your dad. Take a little time. And if I would just suggest, make sure that this Father's Day you make a concerted effort to tell him actually how you feel. Look him in the eye. You don't have to make it too mushy, but spend the time to say, Dad, I love you. You've made a difference. Maybe even write it out. Let him know how much of an impact he's had. And um, remember, as we were taught earlier by Deanne Flynn, how we, lie, how, we, how we lay these ideas down, how we teach our children to do this is going to be how they will do it with us. So now's the time to gather your family around and start teaching them the importance of families and what better day to do that than Father's Day. Thanks for listening, everybody. Again, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Anytime you want to give us your advice, your feedback, all you got to do is go to mattchat at byu.edu. That's mattchat at byu.edu. Get on Facebook, look up BYU Radio, 
you can uh, tweet us at BYU Radio. And anytime you want, Monday through Friday, we're here, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. We're replayed again, 7 o'clock Eastern Time, right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. Today's Thinking Aloud originally aired earlier this year. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education. I've consumed a fair amount of op-ed journalism over the years. In doing so, I've gotten to know a lot of commentators. But just because I read them 